and I'm the assistant sports editor at The Daily Californian. We'll have three guests on today's episode to talk about a wide range of issues that plague the world of sports. Hi, um, I'm Sarah Siegel, and last semester I covered women's gymnastics. Hi, I'm Lucas Perkins-Brown, and I cover women's lacrosse. I'm Shaylin Singh, and I cover football. Starting with Olympic gold medalist Castor Semenya and the controversy surrounding her increased testosterone levels. In our current political climate and with all the social injustices happening around the world, it's only fair we discuss how these injustices affect competitive sports. Since the beginning of their invention, sports and social injustices have never been separate from each other, so we need to talk about how they affect each other. Sarah, why don't you give us some background on Castor Semenya and why you think her struggle matters? Yeah, so Castor Semenya, she first kind of came onto the world stage in 2009 in Berlin. Um, she competed in mid-distance races and most often the 800 meters. And at the World Championships um, in Berlin, she was only 18 years old and she won and then immediately came under heavy scrutiny. Um, critics thought she looked too masculine. Um, there was question around her, her sex and her, gen and her gender. And this was all brought about because she won. She was fast. She beat the whole competition field. Um, so the IAAF, which regulates um, track and running events, they had her undergo very invasive um, gender and sex testing. Now, this was um, supposed to remain confidential, but it was leaked that she had three times the amount of testosterone as the quote-unquote average woman. And of course, a ton of controversy followed because people didn't think that she should be allowed to compete with women because of her higher testosterone. Um, Time Magazine actually printed an article that was titled, Could This Woman's World Champion Really Be a Man? Um, some of her fellow competitors spoke out and said they didn't want to compete with her because they thought she was a man. Um, it came out that the scientist who underwent this um, testing thought that she likely had some sort of um, intersex condition, but the media reported her as being a hermaphrodite, which is a very um, derogatory term to use to describe someone who doesn't fit neatly into the stereotypical male and female sex characteristics. And the um, IAAF finished with basically announcing in 2018 that any woman who produces a higher than average level of testosterone, even naturally, as was the case with um, Castro Semenya, they would not be eligible to compete unless they reduce their natural testosterone levels with medication, including hormonal contraceptives. And um, the they would be mandated to undergo different physical testing, gynecology and radiological imaging 
basically to determine if there's any signs of potentially having an intersex condition, such as having an enlarged clitoris or having large levels of testosterone or being particularly sensitive to testosterone. And um, this is, in this way, like Semenya basically became something to be completely studied and gawked at. She was given absolutely no privacy, no dignity as a woman, and her genitals and her hormone level became huge discussions all over the world when all that really mattered at the end of the day was that she was a woman and she was fast. Wow. So um, do we know if an increase in testosterone even uh, affects performance? And if so, do we know how much? Well, yes, an increase in testosterone does affect performance positively, but so does having longer legs, so does having a higher VO2 max, so does having a larger heart. There are tons and tons and tons of factors that could affect an athlete's ability to succeed, and it's a safe bet to assume that anyone, any athlete who reaches the Olympic level has some sort of characteristic that sets them apart and allows them to succeed. I mean, if we look at Michael Phelps, he's the most decorated Olympian of all time, and he has been widely celebrated for his achievements. Well, Michael Phelps has lungs that hold twice as much oxygen, twice the capacity of the average lung. His ankles are um, 15 degrees more flexible than even his Olympic competitors. His wingspan is longer than his height, which um, is rare and has given him a huge advantage, huge advantage when it comes to swimming. Um, no one ever tried to shrink his wingspan or make his ankles less flexible or anything of that sort to even the playing field. But because Semenya's difference happened to be something that was related to our understanding of sex and gender, um, she was banned from competition until she underwent medication to change it. Yeah, I don't get that at all. Like, if it's completely natural, like her testosterone levels, that, yeah, what you were saying, like, how is that any different than, like, Yao Ming naturally being, like, 7'6", or whatever, whatever he was? Like, I mean, she didn't do anything illegal for that to happen. I mean... No, no. Yeah, I don't... That doesn't make any sense to me. Even if there was, like, a regulated level of testosterone that is, like, fair, that, like, testosterone isn't any different than, like, what you were saying, like, lung capacity or, like, anything that is mainly genetic related i don't think that should be was there any like pro like what were the protests around this and stuff like that like how did you find out about it um i was i found out about it in a class on campus um and also i knew about castor semenya just because i'm i was a track athlete um, in high school and i think a lot of it has to do with um, kind of this Western ideal of needing to strictly define sex and have our gender fit neatly in alignment with our sex. Well, the more and more we learn about science, that actually does not become easier. It becomes harder because we learn that there are just so many different natural variations that can happen between the way sex is expressed and, of course, the way that gender is expressed. But um, I think essentially this ruling by the IAAF basically 
is saying that anyone who has an intersex condition that they're born with is has no place in athletics, which personally I believe is absolutely wrong. Um, Castor Semenya lived her entire life as a woman. She has a vagina. She goes by she, her pronouns. She has always been and nothing, nothing but a woman. And because of this one small biological difference within one hormone, she basically was outcasted from competing in a sport that had brought her so much success. Um, and, you know, this is obviously, obviously a, genders, a gendered issue, but I think it's a racial issue as well. I have to believe that had Castor Semenya been a white woman or a white American woman, she would not have been forced to undergo such invasive sex verification processes. It would have been immediately seen as such an invasion of her privacy and so demeaning, but because she was a South African woman, um, I think she was treated differently by these white Western establishments such as the IAAF. Yeah, going off that, Sarah, I was gonna actually say like, I'm pretty sure I read a report I can't remember, but it was years ago that Usain Bolt, obviously like the fastest man on the planet, has a higher ATP recovery rate. I'm not sure if you know what that is. It just has to do with basically how you know how fast you can recover an amount of time. And they had linked that to why he had ran so fast, so consistently for so long, is because his rate of recovery had been much faster and stronger than other sprinters around the planet. I mean, I think in that same sense, because he was the fastest man on the planet. And he was also a man that he was a like he was largely more accepted. But I just think it's a little unfair how she has natural rising testosterone levels, and I could I could sort of argue you know because Usain Bolt's ATP recovery rate was unnatural. That is that like you know what I mean is that an advantage over his competitors? Because I haven't heard anyone bring that up in the past few Olympics that he's ran in and completely dominated in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, this whole idea that we need to level the playing field, I think it goes against um, sports in general because we are all, all born with different abilities and with through hard work, we're able to achieve success. But I just think this whole idea is, is kind of faulted. Um, it seems to be a bit skewed towards or against people who don't conform to our stereotypical idea of gender. The president of the IWAF said, um, the revised rules are not about cheating. No athlete with a difference of sexual development has cheated. It's about leveling the playing field to ensure fair and meaningful competition in the sport of athletics. Which I find that to be ridiculous because if we're going to talk about, if we're going to go down the rabbit hole of leveling the playing field, then we need to make sure everyone is the same height, everyone eats the exact same food, benefits from the same coaching, has the exact same genetic makeup, and this, I mean, that's impossible. And it, it clearly shows that this was not about maintaining fair competition at all. This was about forcing athletes to um, stay in conformity to our gender norms and gender expression that we are comfortable with as a society. Um, I think that, like, while this is a gender issue, I think it has, like, a lot of racial undertones that, like, we shouldn't ignore, um, just because of the fact that, like, this colonial attitude towards the exploitation of Black women, especially South African Black 
woman. It dates back till like the 1800s. Um, I believe her name is Sarah Bartman. She was a South African woman in the early 1800s who was kidnapped from South Africa by um, Europeans and paraded all around Europe and all around Europe because she had a different anatomy that didn't match with our idea of the norm. And um, she was analyzed for her sexuality, her genitals, um, and just brought around almost in, a, in like a traveling circus. It was hor horrific and um, scientists, when she died, they kept her body in Europe and she was not returned and buried properly in South Africa until um, 2002. A lot of people have drawn comparisons between the treatment of Sarah Bartman in the 1800s of undergoing this poking and prodding from scientists who had no business doing that, a complete invasion of privacy, and what happened to Semenya, just because they did not fit neatly into our um, normative idea of sexuality. So what year was it again that Semenya won the gold medal? Um, 2000, it was 2009 when she um, competed in Berlin and won the 800. Uh, and I think it was 2012 and 2016, she competed in both of those Olympics and um, won, I think, gold in both. And then after that was when they started making her reduce her testosterone? Or did she win with the reduce? Um, yeah, the, the ruling of that happened in 2018. So oh, she would not be able to compete. In, well, now that 2020 is not happening, but um, her she was, no one knew yet if she was going to take um, a hormonal pill to reduce her testosterone or not. Yeah. But she was fighting it in court and then, um, was unsuccessful fighting that ruling in court. Wow. Uh, so she hasn't competed since. Mm -mm. Um, I guess uh, one of my last questions would just be, what has, the, I mean, maybe someone's already asked, but what has the like pushback been to the IAAF's decision um, to do this? I mean, have there been people, athletes standing up for her? Have um, people she trains with and speaking out. Do you know anything about that? Um, unfortunately, when I was reading about this, I didn't see a lot of that. I mean, I'm sure there are other athletes who are standing up for her, but at the same time, um, in the athletic world, we're often very much um, prejudiced towards people who don't fit between male and female neatly. Um, and I think that that has caused a lot of, um, there's been a lot of fear mongering about this and it has caused a lot of people to really question um, like how we divide sports into categories. Um, so I guess there has not been as much pushback as I think that there should have been, but I guess that's just my opinion. Yeah. So, um, in your opinion, obviously you think that IAAF's ruling was discrimination, but more than that, what do you think that um, the IWF should be doing to support Semenya and support her when she's getting all this, um, all these comments from the community of people wanting to know more about her testosterone? What do you think should be done to her? 
Well, I think that um, this sex um, testing is completely uncalled for. <clears throat> completely uncalled for. And I think that it's invasive and it's wrong. I think the ruling is wrong. Um, testosterone, I don't think, should be a indicator of whether someone can compete as a male or a female because it's natural to have such varied levels of testosterone and that's only one um, one variable in determining an athlete's success. I think that personally outside of making sure that no one is illegally boosting, unnaturally boosting their testosterone or whatnot using um, different steroids outside of that, I think that the IAAF and any sporting body needs to allow the privacy of its athletes to be protected and not invade, um, not invade their body bodily autonomy and not um, force them to confirm their gender or their, or their not not force them to confirm their sex just simply out of either curiosity or um, anger at them for being so successful. I don't think that should be allowed to happen. I think it is harmful to the athletic community at large. I think it hurts individual athletes and it keeps this narrative going that um, we can easily define what it means to be male or female when science simply says otherwise. Um, so many people have intersex conditions and may not even know it and they have every right in the world to define their gender and their sex and their sexuality for themselves and I don't think that sporting bodies should have a say in that. I completely agree with that and I'm so surprised that her fellow athletes and just the community at large didn't stand up for her more and that there wasn't more of a reaction to this. I mean there was reaction but I mean I I heard about it a little, but not a ton. And I think that just goes to show that athletes have an important platform and being able to use their platforms to stand up for each other and call out discrimination when it happens is so important because like I mentioned earlier, the sporting world isn't immune from discrimination. Um, so Luke, do you want to talk a little bit about how athletes can use their platforms more and kind of what we've seen in the past? Yeah. Um, I guess we can kind of start with, you know, Kaepernick back in 2016 post, uh, I mean, pre and post election after Donald Trump's first campaign. Um, I mean, everyone saw it was all over the news. He had a silent protest, which he asked, a, I believe, a U.S. Marine about how he would silently protest against his uh, country if he found some sort of discrepancy with it. He, uh, the Marine told him to kneel, like that would be a very good silent protests it wouldn't it shouldn't be offensive because that is what he would have done so Kaepernick started to kneel um, and it kind of took on a life of its own within 2017 like I think 200 plus players also started kneeling it made Vice President Mike Pence literally get up and walk out of a game uh, there was a lot of backlash around it there were other players that like supported him I know I'm pretty sure Ed Reed was like a huge huge supporter of him there were other athletes like kind of you know gave their two cents and stuff but then you know the NFL kind of shunned him for a long time he wouldn't get calls from coaches when he did 
Uh, it was almost like they weren't taking him seriously. His numbers were much better of those other quarterbacks that he had played against that were, you know, on the kind of their last legs and whatnot. Um, and I, I don't know, I kind of started asking questions about it. I mean, if a player like LeBron James were to kneel, do the same thing Kaepernick did in his NBA season in 2016, like, would there, would it be the same reaction? I, I, I don't think it would be, which I find unfair to someone like Colin Kaepernick. Um, this guy has gone to the Super Bowl one time. He's led the night. Yeah, he's led the Niners to the Super Bowl one time. He lost, you know, to the Ravens. But it almost just seemed like we prioritize someone's resume over what they're talking about socially, like social injustices and whatnot. Here's a man who's kneeling because he's mad that he, he truly believes Black lives don't matter in the United States. He believes our president is racist. He believes that there's institutionalized racism, systemic racism. And, you know, for people to kind of, you know, black, backlash him and say, oh, he doesn't like our country, doesn't like our flag. But, you know, I see players like LeBron James now, at least, now, like really, really coming, coming to the forefront of issues like this. And it's like, you know, obviously getting more praise. And I just don't understand how, I guess you guys helped me out with this. I guess I just don't understand how, Colin Kaepernick gets so much hate, doesn't get a job in the NFL for three to four years, but someone like LeBron James, who's, we can all agree, his resume is a lot better looking on paper than Colin Kaepernick's in terms of his sports achievements and accomplishments, does get a lot of praise for that. I'm not sure if that has to do with any of that. You know, I mean, seniority, um, his experience in the league, just who he knows, but uh, that to me just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I kind of, I mean, obviously I, I'm not, I don't have a huge platform as, you know, LeBron James, but I would like to see other athletes, kind of how you were just talking about Mia, stand up for each other in that situation. They all have a giant platform. You know, they're getting paid to play a game, but they have every right to sit out. They have every right to show that they disapprove of what's going on in our country. And it kind of sucks that like Kaepernick had to be the scapegoat for a ton of people to say he doesn't like our country for them this to happen now, you know, Black Lives Matter riots and movements, you know, four years later for it to finally come to a head and people now look back and say, you know what, he was, he was actually right. In fact, he was four years ahead of his time. So I kind of find that whole idea just interesting. Yeah, I mean, you guys have any thoughts about speaks, that? Yeah. It speaks to the timing of things. I mean, four years ago, people were saying that Kaepernick was disrespecting our country. And now this is a much more mainstream movement, even though um, systemic racism has been happening for far more than just these past couple of years. I think it's just interesting that now it's a lot more acceptable for people to use their platforms to speak out than it was in 2016 when Kaepernick did. Yeah. I also think that just inherently, like over the past few years, the NBA, like this is obviously LeBron James is LeBron James. Like people yeah. are going to go with what he says because of who he is even though he's, he's doing the right thing and he has been doing the right thing. But I think the NBA has been more progressive than the NFL just in oh, kind yeah. of every aspect over the past few years. I mean, the NBA with the Clippers a few years ago had the thing – this was a while ago when Donald Sterling, their owner, had, like, tapes leaked of him, like, being super racist. And all the players, like, turned their jerseys inside out during warm-ups and stuff like that. So the NBA, I think, has – face stuff like this and dealt with it a lot better than the NFL has 
Um, I mean, Roger Goodell banned kneeling on the sidelines after Colin Kaepernick did it because of all the backlash. And I think it's also partly the fan bases too. I think I don't have any data on this, but just from what I know, like NFL fan bases, especially where the teams are, tend to be a bit more like conservative and anti-progressive and stuff like that. So I think that plays into it. But I mean, with LeBron James, like having, you know, all this praise for speaking up, I think that's, even though it's him, I think it's, you know, all for the better because athletes, whether they're, you know, high school or college athletes or other NBA players, they see him doing it and they're like, okay, well, if he's doing it, then I'm not going to be scared to speak up either. I had the chance to talk to a couple of Cal football players for um, a Q&A yesterday, and both of them said the same thing about seeing professional athletes speak up against injustice has made them way less scared to because they both brought up Kaepernick and were like, we were scared at a point to, you know, speak up because we didn't want something to happen with our draft stock or with our scholarship or something like that. But now seeing so many people do it, everyone is kind of in it together. To speak on your earlier point of the fact that Colin Kaepernick was not as respected, obviously, as um, someone like LeBron James um, and speaking out against these injustices. I actually, I'm from the same town as that Colin Kaepernick grew up in. We graduated from the same high school. And um, so I I heard a lot of the the conversation surrounding Colin because he was a big hot topic in um, Turlock, Turlock, California. Um, You know, I think, I think what it, what it boiled down to was the fact that as a black man, um, Kaepernick, who had achieved success, was in the in the eyes of kind of a white society, he should have been content with the fact that he made it. He shouldn't have asked for more. I mean, look, he was playing um, playing in the NFL, making millions of dollars. Everyone in my town, at least a lot, and I actually spoke to some of the football coaches who coached Kaepernick throughout his high school um, football career, who were bothered by the fact that he was asking, they saw it as he's asking for more, which is obviously a ridiculous thing. He was simply using his platform to stand up for racial injustice. Um, and they also, I guess they, they viewed any form of protest coming from a black man as wrong and as unpatriotic. And when I pointed out to them that um, there's basically no way to, pe- to protest more peacefully than kneeling silently during the anthem. That is the epitome of peaceful protesting. And when black communities take to the streets to march peacefully in protest, it's referred to as riots. So how should a black person protest in this country? Um, I don't know, because it's always seen as being the wrong thing from the, this white, um, white supremacist society and I don't know I guess it's just interesting that I I think he was seen as he he should have just shut up and been thankful for the fact that he made it to the NFL which is just kind of like it speaks to just the way we we look at success of black people um in the country and the way we kind of view um black protest yeah and it goes back to the point that like you can still be thankful for something and point out flaws in it at the same time. 
Like he's yeah. said multiple times that he loves America and like appreciates the opportunity to be here, but that does not take away from like his ability to be able to point out things that could be a lot better in society. And I think people literally just fail, like don't understand that for whatever reason. They think that he's selfish for wanting to better, you know, the treatment of underrepresented people. Yeah, it goes back to that point, too. I, I kind of actually think this is where LeBron really got involved with it in the first place is when um, a Fox commentator had said, you know, just shut up and dribble. Like, you're already making a ton of money. Just, like, shut up. We don't need your, like, we don't need your opinion on it. And that's just, like, how, how is that even, like, a, how is that even a fair take? Because, I mean, we're seeing now, like, I mean, a few weeks ago, you know, Drew Brees says, you know, I will never agree with anyone that, disrespects a flag and then less than 24 hours later he gets back on and says you know I will never understand but like I am on your side I am your ally you know I mean like he you know you switched up in 24 hours and you know people are like you know like we forgive you but like the whole point is not disrespecting the flag like like this has been the same problem for four years it's not disrespecting the flag it has to do with police brutality on black men's lives and the fact that that's a backpedal to disrespecting the flag and that Colin Kaepernick and LeBron James are some sort of political pundit or mouthpiece for someone else to me is just I don't know it's just a little bit ridiculous I mean it's it, yeah it's just bas it's basically backpedaling on a situation that has nothing to do with disrespecting the flag you know what I mean it has nothing to do with it and to even counter that the flag gets disrespected like literally all of the time so if you're gonna point out those guys doing it you got to point out all of the other people doing other disrespectful things to our country and our flag daily I mean that's another conversation for another time but I mean yeah yeah for sure um so I guess to sum it up what you're saying would be that a player's I mean, you're talking about the difference between Kaepernick and LeBron's resumes. And you're saying that because LeBron's such a figure in the NBA, and definitely more so than Kaepernick was at the time, he was able to speak out in a way that Kaepernick wasn't. Yeah, as, yeah I was going to say just as in mainly that he was, that LeBron had seemed to be publicly more accepted because of his NBA prowess as opposed to Colin Kaepernick was at his time. Mm -hmm. And what do you think the reason is that society was able to accept Ron speaking out more? Do you think it was the timing? Do you think it was because he was such a public figure? What do you think was so different about him than Kaepernick? I think Shailen brought up a good point, how the demographic in fans in different areas is a lot different. I think, you know, I mean, they, you know, it's America's football. They say, you know, it's it's our our country's sport minus, you know, I guess baseball is too, something, you know, I guess they're both America's sport. But, you know, we just saw it a few days ago with the whole uh, Bubba Wallace situation in NASCAR. Like, they just banned Confederate flags at NASCAR, like, rallies this week. Like, they just banned those. So, like Shaylin said, the NBA is very much so, mo I think it's a lot more modern and, you know, I guess updated and, in the sense that there's it's just, there's just a lot more progressive ideas that get floated around in that league and a lot more accepting fans as opposed to some of these other leagues that are kind of stuck in, I don't know, I guess you could say they're stone age. You could, you know what I mean? You could say that, I guess. 
But I, I definitely think that the fan base and the overall, I mean, I, I saw a point earlier that Jerry Jones had still not said anything about it. And he's like the richest owner in the NFL. You know, he owns the Dallas Cowboys. He still hasn't said anything about the Black Lives Matter movement personally. He supported things. He hasn't had his own statement. So I guess it just kind of goes back to who's really, you know, behind these teams, you know, who are the owners behind them? Who, you know, who are the commissioners? Who are the fan base? It really goes down to like that sort of demographic. Um, I definitely think it starts with the fan base, you know, who's going to these games, but I definitely also think it starts, you know, with the higher execs, owners, whatnot, commissioners, all that. Yeah, it's frustrating that it's kind of about the audience, like Shaylin was saying. Like, you have yeah. an audience who's not going to stop watching your games or stop being a fan if you say these things and you, like, feel free to do it. But if you think it's going to affect, I mean, like, your audience, then you're not going to feel Yeah. messed up. So, um, transition, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on, Luke, that I should ask you a question? Um, no, that's my two cents on the on the whole Black Lives Matter movement at the moment. Um, I just wanted to talk about that because I had always felt for years that Cap just wasn't getting the rep he deserved. And now it's like now it's starting to pick up steam that like, OK, maybe we did really make a mistake with this guy as opposed to who he was as a player and a person off the field. So. Yeah, and I'm just I mean, I didn't follow it as close as and I'm just now learning about all these like statistics and how good of a player he was so yeah the way that it was kind of I mean again I, I don't know the specifics but the way that it seemed to me that it was reported back in 2016 was like well like is he even like good enough to continue like I don't know it just they didn't really emphasize how good of a player he was he was a really he was a really good player um I think it was like entirely because he kneeled that he wasn't able to continue in the NFL yeah I agree well, transitioning into um, issues related to the NFL, Shaylin, do you want to talk a little bit about what you think of the um, NFL's response to the Black Lives Matter movement? Yeah, so this is pretty much the same, the direct result of the obviously the recent movement, but it started back with Kaepernick a few years ago. But um, for those of you who don't know, a bunch of like superstar Black NFL players put together a video uh, addressed towards Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, basically um, asking that he apologize and uh, admit his wrongdoings. And I just found Roger Goodell's, he did the apology video, but it was extremely robotic and he pretty much recited word for word what they asked him to say. Like he didn't give any of his own input. He didn't elaborate on it at all. He just pretty much word for word said what they told him to say they basically scripted it for him not intentionally they were like these are the things that you as a league did wrong and he just said it sounded so fake to me and he also one thing that they asked him to do that he didn't was admit that he he was wrong about the Kaepernick situation and that silent kneeling should have been an acceptable protest because you see what happens if if that's not acceptable, then what is, as Sarah was saying. So I just am really going to be paying close attention to how the NFL and Roger Goodell specifically treat this upcoming season because so many players have said they're going to kneel regardless of what the policies are. And I think Roger Goodell, 
I mean, his apology was not good in my opinion, but he does have a chance to, when the season does come around, prove that the NFL is going to support its players and support the players off the field just as much as they do on the field. So right now, for me, it's kind of just a wait-and-see thing because other leagues are already being a lot more – I mean, we saw NASCAR recently be like – in. You know, they have so much support for Bubble Walls, and I just hope the NFL can, like, somewhat reach that because so far they have – it's almost been the players versus the owners and Goodell. And the only way that they're going to be able to get through this season without a ton of controversy is if they work together. Yeah, um, for sure. So just to go back to the original videos that the – players made what were the specific things that they asked Goodell to do that he did um recite in his videos I don't don't remember off the top of my head I mean it was a few weeks ago but essentially um yeah I forget the specifics I don't want to say something like misquote it but they were very specific in what it was and they were like real issues but I just to me it just wasn't authentic by Roger Goodell because he's he told he said exactly what he wanted them what they wanted him to say and nothing more and if he actually would have gone the extra mile and been like yeah I agree with you plus all this that would have been a lot more respectable than him just saying what they wanted him to say and then leaving it at that. Shaylin I was gonna say I think in a way I agree with you too because I hate I also hate when owners or you know people backpedal on things or you kind of just you know like as much power as they have they just say very little I was having this conversation with a few other people but then I you know I kind of felt as if like is it better to kind of do what Goodell did and be kind of or like you know what Drew Brees did and you know kind of just go with the flow what everyone wants or like to not say anything at all I mean obviously it's better to say something than to not say something but I almost feel like even saying what he wanted them to say like I guess that does start a, a good conversation. You know what I mean? Like it's some, it's a, it's a start is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. is that, like you kind of agree. Yeah. Ultimately. I mean, I think I, I agree with you that it's better yeah. to say something than nothing, but at the end of the day, it comes down to actions speak louder than words. So yeah, that's why, you know, what Goodell, how Goodell treats the protest during the season means everything compared to his apology. His apology is nothing right now. And same with Drew Brees. Like, all we can really hope is that Drew Brees actually realized that the protests are not about disrespecting the military or the flag. Like, obviously, he says he realized that. And, you know, it's it's just we don't know. Like, hopefully, yeah, he realized. But Yeah, I was going to say this whole thing with, with the apologies. Um, once people say something or do something that is wrong or racist, um, I don't think that there is an excuse this whole we I don't think we should have to pick between them saying the saying something generic and bland versus them not saying anything at all. I don't think there's an excuse in the age that we live in now. We have all the information at our fingertips to learn about these things and to understand them. And if people choose to not educate themselves and to continue to stay ignorant, do they deserve to be in power positions? Do they deserve to um, be leaders? I, I don't personally think so. I mean, it reminds me of um, the CrossFit founder and CEO, 
Greg Glassman said horrible things and doubled down on them. And his apology was like the most generic apology. And he did resign, which I respect, I respect that he resigned. But um, Dave Castro was made the, the new CEO and he has been under Glassman and honestly just as bad and let Glassman do and say these racist things and did not speak out either. So is that, is that really change? I don't think so. And um, I think that when we say actions speak louder than words, I think a lot of these people need, if they, if they can't do the learning that is required to be a good leader, then they just need to step down my opinion so that's what i was going to say that there's no doubt that there's going to i mean tons of nfl players have already come out and said that they're going to kneel so i'm also i was going to say i'm also kind of interested to see how goodell and all the execs you know like react to that because multi i mean like i said there's around 200 in 2017 i would go as far to say like whole rosters are probably going to like kneel for at least the first few games of the season which you know it's obviously going to get a lot of people angry and sure a lot of execs are going to be fired up but you know they in a way they kind of just asked for it like this has been kind of at the boiling point now for two to three years and it's kind of, like I said it's coming to its head now so I'm going to be I'm really interested to see how Goodell and multiple NFL execs react to it yeah it's going to be the same in all leagues too I mean yeah a lot of like European soccer teams who like all this all this movement started in the u.s but we've seen teams around the world kneel and i mean from what i've seen their their owners are fine with it and their executives are fine with it so i mean it's really gonna you know tell who's you know on what side once even in college football i mean there's going to be players kneeling in schools and cities that are like predominantly trump voters stuff yeah. like that and I'm just really eager to see how people respond to it if it's going to be any different than when Kaepernick did. Definitely I think when the NBA gets back we're going to see some sort of uh, protest along those lines too. Yeah I think, I think it'll be interesting to see like how fans react too um, yeah. because it's, it's an interesting in- intersection. Um, people who are big time sports fans are not commonly very much into social justice um, and I think that's the nice thing about um, athletes using their their position to take a stand for these things is they're introducing it to an audience that it may have not otherwise given it a second thought. Yeah, the world of sports, like I said, is not separate from the world that we live in. They're the same, and there are issues that happen in sports that maybe don't happen as much outside of sports that need to be addressed. So more than ever, athletes now need to step up and take their platforms to speak out, reach out to their fan base. And because, like I mentioned earlier, there are sports teams all around the country. There are people who play football in Trump supporting America. So there's this opportunity to have a really, really wide reach. And I think it's already happening, will continue to happen. And I mean, a person like LeBron James using his platform, he has like, so many fans but some of them are like 15 year old white teenager teenage boys who probably support trump and now they're having to second guess themselves when their idol is saying that you know black lives do matter so yeah it's just yeah the world of sports has a lot of potential to make a big change so yeah and i think a lot of people want to keep sports and politics separate and they get annoyed when 
these two worlds clash, but we need to realize, wake every, every, everyone, like, need, this, this is the same, the same place. We cannot have, like, the, the issues that affect everyone affect athletes, too. I mean, Castor Semenya is a great example of this because she was um, discriminated against for several different reasons, and it basically stole all of her opportunities to compete. And we can't, we can't separate anymore um, the world of sports with every, everything else that's going on. And I also think a lot of these issues, too, should not be seen as political. I don't think racism should be seen as political. It's so much more than just an issue of politics. And I think athletes have every right in the world to use their platforms to speak out of, about anything they feel that they should. See the skis there.